It's tip-off time. The line, the jam! Welcome to ESPN Chicago's Fast Break with Jay Hood and Chris Black. Throws it to win it! Listen on your phone through the ESPN Chicago app, on FM at 100.3 HD2, and on AM at ESPN 1000. Watch the show on Twitch.tv or the Twitch app. Follow ESPN 1000 Chicago. Now here are your hosts, Jay Hood and Chris Black. Here we go. It's fast break time. It's the podcast. I'm Chris Black along with Jonathan Hood here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. Jonathan, the playoffs are here and we have the matchups in front of us. It's time to look at what we have here in the NBA playoffs. We've made it. Yes, so happy that we have the NBA playoffs right in front of us. And there's going to be a lot of intriguing matchups, both conferences. I think we're going to have some long matchups here. We got to go through them. Yeah, let's jump start here with what we have in town. The Chicago Bulls, they make the playoffs. They're the sixth seed. They're facing off against the number three seed Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks went 51-31 throughout the regular season. The Bulls went 46-36. and But really, it's a tale of two different styles uh, of a season for the Chicago Bulls. They got off to a great start, and then they slumped here at the end, and it seems as if now they're in a death march to a either sweep to the Bucks or a five-game uh, series here in the first round. And it seems like most people are looking at this as the Bucks will advance to the second round of the playoffs. Well, when I meant long series, I didn't mean them. I didn't mean the Bulls and the Bucks. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. Think about this, Chris. On February 24th, the Bulls were on top of the Eastern Conference, 39-21, and 21, and a Bulls fan was pounding their chest saying, look at us, we're on the top of the world, Ma, 39-21. and 21. And the Bulls went right through the elevator shaft, 7-15 and 15 to the sixth seed. Keep in mind, this happens when you're 28th in rebounding, when you have a lack of bench depth. Keep in mind that the Bulls also 2-21 and 21 against the league's top four teams, uh, whether that's the Eastern or Western Conference, or you're 0-4 against Milwaukee. I just think that when you take on the champs, it just shows you the measuring stick. How far are the Bulls from being one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, let alone the NBA? Watch the Bucks because this is a team that's top eight in three-point shooting, and uh, they're one of the top eight teams also taking shots from three-point range. So I just... It's just a David and Goliath situation. Even though I thought the Bulls would be in the second round and out in this year's playoffs, Chris, it's just a really arduous task to ask the Bulls to get past the champs. You mentioned the three-point shooting from the Bucks. The Bucks are actually the only team ranked in the top eight in both three-point percentage and attempts from three-point range. So mm-hmm. they shoot a lot of threes. They make a lot of threes. And I feel as if that is setting up, it's setting up for something here in this first round that the the Bulls just, no matter the talent difference or the style of play, it's just going to make up too much of a margin for the Bulls to make up, whether it's trying to out-rebound, trying to have less turnovers, trying to get to the foul line more. That's something the Bulls are, are pretty successful at doing, especially when you have DeMar DeRozan leading the way. The problem, though, is that does not offset what we see from the Bucks when it comes to uh, hitting three-point shots, the defense that they can bring to the table. And then, obviously, when we address Giannis Antetokounmpo, who's having an MVP-like season, even though I don't think he'll win it. 
Well, I think that every Bulls fan has to look in reality, and that is that without DeMar DeRozan, Chris, the Bulls are just sunk. They just are. I mean, they're just so reliant on his offense. Think about against the Bucks alone. When DeRozan's out there, he's averaging 24 shots per game. When he's out there against Milwaukee, he's averaging 31 points a game, and it's really on him. And when you're reliant on only one guy, that's not really – um, that really doesn't tell you that a team is ready for a deep playoff run. The teams that we know are going to make a deep run here in the playoffs have two, three, sometimes four guys that they can rely on, and the Bulls are so reliant on DeRozan, and rightfully so. DeRozan's been terrific. He has really elevated his season and his career, being with Chicago, but just understand, like, if Levine can't step up, if Kobe White can't knock down threes, if Vucevic can't be more steady, then the Bulls really have no chance. I think that it is the link and the, of course, starting with Giannis, but the length of the team and just the ability to be able to knock down threes, that just shows you where the Bucks are and where the Bulls are not. Okay, so we're always really good at this. Let's paint a picture. Mm-hmm. Say if the Bulls were able to win a few games and make this a good seven-game series. How does that happen? Well, let's paint that picture. If the Bulls were able, because I think uh, almost everyone in town has the same read on this team, right? It, it's not going to be enough. The, the Bucks are the better team. They're the defending champs. This Bulls team, it was a cute season for a while. It, it kind of sputtered towards the end here. They're not going to have enough. Say it goes the other way. Say they can make a seven-game series out of this and or win. How does that happen? Uh, it happens when the Bucks don't show. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming out to the uh, Fast Break podcast uh, with Jonathan Hood and Chris Black. Where the, where, where the, the bus wow. stops, right. apparently. It stalled in Milwaukee. That's how that happens, right? I think now, that's a listen, fair way to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I mean seriously, the, that means that the Bucks <laughs> don't show up. That's what it comes down to. If the, if the Bulls want to make this a series, one of the things is, is that you have to make sure that Middleton is not a factor. You have to make sure that you're closing out on shooters like a Grayson Allen and others that can be knocked down, knocked down shots. See, the problem with the Bulls is, is that they have no resistance at the basket, right? I mean, it's it's one thing that you don't recover from three, but when you are letting guys go right down the lane and and without any any kind of defense, this is what you get, right? So the picture yeah. I could paint is is that Desumu and Kobe White are red hot from three. That Alex Caruso is really making it hard for anyone besides Giannis to be able to get into the lane, right? That means that the perimeter defense is solid. That means that Zach Levine is having all-world game and that DeRozan is still doing what he does. And so that also means that Patrick Williams is getting key rebounds, second-chance opportunities, right? Like, you're not, you're not leaving any stone unturned with Patrick Williams out there. That's the that's what I can paint for you. And all those good things, that still is not enough against the champs. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, I would think uh, the, the one thing I, w- I would add is not only do we have to get all-world contests from Zach Levine, but like he shows us why he's going to be the max player for the Bulls for the next 10 years. Right? Like If he were able to do that and really wow us in this series... You know, then I could see, okay, Jonathan's right. It's Io hitting threes. It's Kobe White hitting threes. It's Caruso diving on the floor, kicking it up, and boom, Derek Jones on the fast break, slam dunk. And then you say, okay, but here you go. The Bucks are going to try and stop DeMar DeRozan. Well, what if Zach starts to take over continuously, attacking the rim? Not the, not the fadeaway stuff from three 
or the just waiting around. It's every time he touches the basketball, it's to the rim with force, picking up fouls, getting uh, Middleton and Holiday in foul trouble, and then also using that, the, at- the attacking nature to then force the Bucks to kind of step off a little to then take advantage of the three-point shot. That's the only way they get it done. I just don't see that happening. Well, there's no doubt about that. I think that Zach Levine has to be a catalyst for this Bulls team. But again, it's about multiple guys that can be able to score. This is why some are looking at this as a gentleman sweep because they feel that one game the Bulls will be able to put together. I just hadn't seen that in the regular season. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So Bulls and Bucks. I'm going to say the Bucks move along, and I'm, I'm going to say they move along in four. Oh, no gentleman sweep. Just uh, four, huh? Yeah. It's right. tough. Like, I, I, I don't want to be, like, anti-Bull. I just don't see how they win a game in this series. Mm-hmm. I just don't see it. They just uh, the Bulls can get very frustrated as we saw in this series as well uh, against Milwaukee because they're just that good. This is this is no this is no way to look at the Bulls and look down on the Bulls because it's been a really good season. It, now this offseason will tell you all you need to know about the Bulls and how they can upgrade. I look forward to seeing that, Jonathan. Let's take a look at the other series in the Eastern Conference. When we look at the East on the other side of the bracket where the Bulls and the Bucks are, mm-hmm. we have the Boston Celtics at 51 and 31. They will face off against the Brooklyn Nets, who won last night. Their record for the season was 44 and 38. Brooklyn as the seventh seed. They're very dangerous, but that, that Celtics team was very good in the second half of the season. Yeah, the Celtics were 20 and 21 in 10th place. And they went to 26-6 and six down the stretch of the regular season. They're first in offense and defensive efficiency. They've outscored opponents 14.6 points per 100 possessions, which is awesome. It's, it's, it's really a tale of two seasons for Adoka and the Celtics. They really turned things around. From Brooklyn's standpoint, we just saw Brooklyn beat Cleveland. That's not a surprise. But what I've discovered here, Chris, is that I think that Bruce Brown is the third most important player on this Nets team. This is a team here that's better defensively. They're 20th in defense this year. And I think that Bruce Brown, because he can't really get shots with Kyrie and KD on the floor, he's been able to be a really good defensive player for Brooklyn. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think what Brooklyn, like their story is obviously, you know, the two stars are going to lead the way. But the guys who chip in, Brown, uh, Curry, uh, you have Goran Dragic, he's going to be there. Patty Mills, I mean, think about this. With the Nets, Patty Mills is what, their third or fourth most important guard? Mm -hmm. And and he shows up in the playoffs. He's always been a great playoff player. Um, I, I think the Celtics, though, their team defense, and you laid out the stats, has been so good in the second half of the season. Without Williams, are the Celtics going to be able to play that same style of defense in a situation where the Nets have two guys who can get a bucket at any time? I I think this is, if not the most fascinating series of the first round, it's got to be in the conversation of the best first-round series that we have. So I need your help, though, with this series, though, Chris, because... 
I'm leaning Celtics in seven, but then there's KD and Kyrie. And when they're together, you've seen the magic, right? They, they can play well. My concern about the Celtics is the clutch moments. Last five minutes, and this is from John Schumann from NBA.com. He talks about Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart, how those two in the last five minutes of the game have really struggled offensively, have really struggled to get key threes or key points, and they kind of fade in big moments uh, in, in the fourth quarter, sure. especially in key, so that's my concern, right? I don't. I know KD and Kyrie will be the two best players on the floor once they do start playing, but I'm wondering where the Celtics fit into all that. Is that Tatum next? Is that Brown next? That's my concern. Where I, I'm really having a hard time picking who I like and in how many games. It feels like Jason Tatum continues to like get close to becoming a superstar, yeah. right? Like he shows you flashes. But he's not quite on the same level as like Trey Young and Luka Doncic and uh, you know like some of these other guys who have already been labeled superstar. Even though you know Trey Young doesn't have quite the credentials that Jason Tatum's brought to the table, I, I I I'm leaning Brooklyn just because I find it hard to believe in a seven game series that Durant healthy is going to go out in the first round. I find that very hard to believe. <sighs> Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, I, if I think then if that's the case, it's going six or seven. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I don't yeah. think this is an easy uh, series no. for the Nets to win, but I do think they advance. I'm just having a hard time. Like, I'm, so if Katie and Kyrie, say for instance, Kyrie has an off shooting night, you do have KD on the floor. Yes, that's a difference maker. But can't the Celtics make that up? I mean, even with Williams being out, still the Celtics are so tied together defensively. I mean, it's just it's amazing that you start off so slowly to the point where people thought that Brown and Tatum can't play on the same floor together, and then see the see them come together uh, in the second half of the season. I know, man, just. Is is a two man power trip and KD and Kyrie good enough uh, against the Celtics team that's loaded for bear? Yeah, and and you know like the the other kind of thought here with with the Celtics is it's it's pretty cool that like weren't they a team that didn't like each other? That's correct. And and you know in today's um, sports world, everyone has to be friends. You know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we're we're like. We, we went through the pandemic and we watched the last dance and, you know, at times with the Bulls, those championship teams, it's not as if they were all best friends, but what they were, they were the best basketball team and Jordan was the best player and everyone fit into a spot. And, and I feel like you look at the Nets and that's about being the best friends, right? Like Durant wasn't happy in San Francisco with the Warriors so he wanted to go hang out with his friend, Kyrie, who then, like, wasn't available for half of the season because of his choosing, uh, and, and now is in a situation where they have a chance to win. But I kind of like this idea that the Celtics guys don't like or didn't like each other, but they, they found common ground in working hard defensively, and they've mm-hmm. become a really good basketball team. Like, to me, that's a pretty cool story. Like, it, it's you get too much of this in sports where it's just, oh, these guys all like each other. And, oh, that's why they're great. Well, I think it's novel that these guys, halfway through the season, it seemed as if there was a narrative out there that they all wanted to kill each other. And then it's the basketball and focusing on the basketball that has now brought them together. 
something about the great game of basketball that just brings yeah. people together. Oh, for My sure. God. We're seeing time in the modern era with the six. <laughs> the game of basketball brings everyone brings everyone together. I so I'm going to go Nets, but I'll I'll give you the wish washy seven games. I'll go Nets and well, seven. No, that's fine. Well, I'll say okay, Nets and well. seven. So then, if it goes seven and the Celtics win, I go. At least I said it was seven. Uh, how many times I step on the Shamrock? Uh, he'll he'll do that the at logo. the end. He'll do that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, let's fact on big spot here. It doesn't eat during the or night. I don't know how long that lasts in that series, but going through Ramadan, it was good enough for him to beat the Cavs in that one game series. We'll see what happens. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's something like, you know, the moment uh, sundown hits, he can then have water. He can then eat. Uh, and it's something mm-hmm. that Kyrie's going to have to focus, uh, you know, just getting his body right for these moments. But we've seen it in the past, right? Like I remember growing up as a kid, learning about it. Because uh, Akeem Olajuwon was in the finals while uh, Ramadan was going on. So, like, that was a storyline. And I remember watching the 94 finals uh, when that took place. So, uh, players have done that. And, uh, yeah, Kyrie. And and who knows? Like, maybe if halfway through the series he seems super fatigued, maybe that's something to point out. Or maybe it could be the fact that he's played, like, half a schedule this year, which I think is also – Notable, too, you know, like he didn't play the full slate of games. Um, so he should be rested and ready looks, to go. He looks so good, though. Man, it, yeah. you, because he's been a part-time player, you forget how electric that guy oh, yeah. is. Chris, I mean, he's – I mean, I know we're wowed by some of the younger point guards in this league, but, man, Kyrie Irving, we forget, man. I mean, that quick first step is still there. The ability to knock down the three, yeah. just being being a floor leader, just – I mean, he's he's really good. I mean, we've always always known that, but we always – almost we have to pinch ourselves to remind us, like, hey, that guy is really good too. I asked the question uh, – the week of fast break that you were on vacation, I asked the question, yep. and it, it wasn't um, – the context wasn't, here's a hot take. I think Kyrie is as good as Allen Iverson. All I said was that of all the players who have come along since AI, Kyrie's game reminds me the most of his. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Kyrie has the ability to pop off for 60 to 50-point games. And I just, I was just asking the question, like, am I crazy? Or are they kind of close in comparison, even though Kyrie doesn't have his own team? Uh, he hasn't like, and I was kind of like trying to work this out in my mind. Like if Kyrie had his own team for the extended period of time that Iverson had his team, could he have taken a team to the finals like AI did? And it was a good conversation, good debate. So, you know, it, it's, I do think people forget how explosive and how good Kyrie is. Good for you to have those debates when I'm not around. But go, please. Go right ahead. Well, you know, you got full time somehow, Jonathan. <laughs> no, that's a hell of a conversation. It's a barbershop conversation. Well, right yeah, there. yeah. Well, but, like, yeah. it, it also wasn't like I wasn't trying to say he is. I'm just – I was just asking a question. And and to be honest, like 90% of people who, who weighed in on the topic said Iverson's a better player. All right. I'm with you. No doubt. Uh, other Eastern Conference series – uh, okay, let's go here. 76ers, Raptors. The Sixers are the four seed. The Raptors are the five seed. There's a three-game difference in how these two teams finish in the standings. 51 wins for the for the Sixers and 48 for the Raptors. I think this is sneaky. Toronto, sneaky upset pick here, Jonathan. Sneaky. Oh. A little sneak. S- sneaky. Sneaky pick. Huh. 
This is going to be a tough series. Yes. The Raptors have got it done for not being small. I think that the problem will be is is that how are you going to stop Embiid? If you're the Raptors, you do have size, but can you stop Embiid? He will be the the pr- predominant seven-footer on the floor for the Sixers. Keep in mind there's no Matisse Tybel because he can't play on the road because he's not vaccinated. But we talked earlier about the Celtics and their turnaround. What about the Raptors? Isn't that a good story? Oh, yeah. It's a great story. 34-17 and, and since uh, New Year's Eve and 7-2 and two, uh, against the top four teams in the Eastern Conference. So this is a, another you know solid tryhard team for Nick Nurse. But I think that one of the things I'm looking at from a matchup standpoint is what can they do against Embiid? And again, the Raptors are long, but are they good enough to be able to slow down Embiid? Yeah, and, and that's the way they're going to have to stop him. I also think like what we've seen to this point this season from James Harden, he hasn't had the same explosion uh, especially on the dribble against one-on-one defenders. And if James Harden isn't able to get by guys, you're really now looking at a defense that can just plot and wait for Embiid to try and attack. And if you can continue to push him away from the basket, uh, I think that really plays into the hands of the Raptors. I, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I want to pull the trigger and say Raptors in seven. Uh, I think this is going to be a seven-game series Either way it goes. This will be the 76ers in six games. And I just think that Embiid is the factor. He, As I told you since, I guess since January, no, maybe February by the All-Star break, I thought that Embiid was the MVP because we start to see that he can stay healthy. And it's the best Embiid that we have seen. And I think that he is going to lead past this Raptors team. The Raptors, of course, Nick Nurse is going to have a nice game plan. But I really believe that this will go six games. If it goes seven, that's because Tybal's not there. Uh, But I still believe the 76ers are going to win this series. If we look at the top of the Eastern Conference, Miami will face off against the winner. We're recording this podcast on Wednesday night. So tonight, uh, the Hawks and the Hornets will play. Then they'll have the play-in. It's the Heat versus whoever gets out of the playing game. Uh, do you think whoever wins, whether it be Cleveland, uh, Charlotte, or Atlanta, do either three of those teams have a shot against the Miami Heat in the first round? No, they just don't. And because it's not just because Miami's been atop the, uh, the the conference. It's just that I just think they have a lot going for them. And maybe the disconnect that they had when Jimmy Butler wanted to fight Eric Spolstra. Uh, and then Udonis Haslam comes in there and says, you want to fight someone, beat my ass. Come come, <laughs> come fight me. I, I think that uh, that might have galvanized the team, sure. quite frankly, because at that time, they're just kind of going through the motions, Chris. And I, I hate to say that because you and I love watching the league, even when it's not popular for some, where it's like, oh, I'll, I'll tune out after the All-Star break and tune back in toward the end of uh, the regular season. But I thought that there was an issue with that team, and maybe that's brought maybe that incident brought them together. But I, as I've told you, I believe Miami is the best quote-unquote team as far as to being together. They may not have the most talent in the Eastern Conference, but I think they have it together the way they shoot the three uh, Jimmy Butler Tyler Hero all those guys shoot the three well and I just think they're always tied together defensively I think I think that they will be whomever is next for them in the playoffs let me ask you this question uh for the Atlanta Hawks 
Are they closer to what this year's team is, the ninth seed at uh, 43 and 39, or last year's team that got to the conference uh, finals? Um, they're a different team than they were last year, don't you think? I don't think they're. Yeah, I don't. First I don't all, think. The, I don't think last year. I don't think they're as good as they played last year. I think. No, I think well, this is more is a big issue. Yeah, so. John Collins being out and and uh, yeah. other guys missing time throughout the season. But I, I think the ninth seed being in the play in games. I think that's exactly where this team was supposed to fit in. So, are you firing Nate McMillan here on the show? No, 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 no. You're no, firing. No. Are you firing McMillan? Do you did feel? You, did you see McMillan? our podcast got Alvin Gentry fired over the week? Uh, no, it's not. No, that's not what happened. That's not, we did not fire Alvin Gentry. We were. We wanted I heard him it to here stay. First. I heard it here first, and then next thing I know, I see the alert. Well, as here's, I told here's you, Woj. I, I do not want Alvin Gentry fired from Sacramento. They fired him anyway, and I was unhappy with that. Uh, Atlanta, you know, they're, in the offseason, they're going to have to find themselves a little bit more scoring. Yeah. And, like, I, who doesn't like Clint Capella? Who doesn't like, you know, uh, Herter or Young? It's a good team. They've taken a step back, in my view, from where they were last year, and that's because of health, but they need to be able to look in the offseason. I think that with Trey Young there, it's funny that we're talking about Atlanta because I'm wearing a Hawks Atlanta Hawks T-shirt, um, that they need to be able to go in the offseason and find more scoring along with Trey Young. Well, what, what what's the difference here between – the Hawks, the Hornets, and the Cavs, and everyone else that made the playoffs in the in the East. I mean, for the most part, if you say they're veteran-led teams, I think you'd be right. Miami, Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, you say, okay, well, they got two young guys, but they've been doing this for some time now. This isn't the first rodeo for, for Brown and Tatum and, and Smart. Uh, the Nets are veteran-led. Uh, Toronto, you'd say, well, they've got some young, yeah, they've got Barnes. That's a nice young player, but Van Vliet, he won a championship. Siakam won a championship, right? Like, so the Eastern conference is littered with teams, with vets and and the bulls, even though they, they haven't been there before as this group, they have vets who are, who are their best players in DeMar DeRozan. Right. So like, to me, the difference is that the Hornets, the Hawks and the Cavs are like the next generation of Eastern Conference teams. But the reason that they're not in the playoffs from the jump is because the other teams have better vets. That's right. Star power is the difference. Yeah. That's the that's it. You just hit on it right there. Those three teams we just mentioned, like I look forward to seeing the Cavs take another step. Sure. Uh, um, they've been good this year. Not quite uh, yet, though. N- no, not yet. Not yet, but I mean, here's a team that's in a playoff push. Like when LeBron goes to Cleveland this upcoming offseason, oh. they'll be a much better team. Um, so, so then there's Lamelo Ball with Charlotte, right? I mean, that and Terry Rozier. That's been a really good team. It, it's it's not the finished product just as of yet. My question is, how can they improve on what they have right there? Like, like who's that key guy, not necessarily in the draft, but in free agency, that says, yes, Charlotte can be a spot for you. So all three of those teams that you just mentioned are kind of like in the same boat. Young teams, as you mentioned, that are on the precipice of maybe breaking out. And that's the hope. I'm looking for a Memphis Grizzly-type team out of those three. Oh, yeah, like next season. I, I could yeah. see that. Yeah. All right, let's go to the West. Uh, let's start the number one seed, the 
Phoenix Suns, they're going to play the winner of the playing games. And I, and I think we both kind of like with the assessment with the Miami Heat, no matter who gets out of the playing games, and at the moment you're seeing the Clippers who will take on either the Pelicans or the Spurs on Friday night, none of those teams have a shot against the best team in the NBA. To this point this season, the Suns were the best team from the jump till the finish. Absolutely defensive team. They've got uh, guards who can guard on the perimeter. They've got a big in Aiton who can uh, facilitate on the block, but also be able to be a shot blocker and play that rover role within the pick and roll, being able to get out on the arc, but also get back in front of the hoop to, to block anyone making a rim run. I, I just love what the Suns have done. We saw disappointment last year in the finals and all-time performance from Giannis. And instead of being this team that was like a one-and-done thing, the, the Suns rallied together, the young players rallied together, and came back this year with a vengeance and wanted to kick ass. And I like these are the storylines that the NBA's history have been made on, right? You go far one year, you have defeat. And then you come back the next year looking to to revenge the loss that you have. I the, the Suns all season long have been the best team in the league. So the number one thing that I want to know is will you be healthy throughout the playoffs? Will you if you're healthy throughout the playoffs, and here's looking at you, Chris Paul, when I say that, mm. if you're healthy through the playoffs, I don't think there's any question that the Suns can win the championship. Uh it would be a shame for them to be a bridesmaid because I think that they've been careful when Chris Paul was out with the injury at the all-star break and there was questions on whether or not he would even be ready there was a four to eight week deal where he was going to be evaluated after the eight weeks look how quickly he came back so Chris Paul's played with pain to drink Chris as you know uh, who I mean Booker is taking a step Bridges Crowder Aiton as you mentioned you take a look at campaign campaign ran the offense I mean so at one point when Chris Paul wasn't there it's a team that's ready to win and that is all predicated on injuries if they stay healthy I don't see why they can't be one of the favorites after the Milwaukee Bucks to win the championship Dallas and Utah the 4-5 matchup the Mavericks won 52 games this season Three games better than the Utah Jazz at 49 wins. Uh, the key to the Mavericks, surprisingly, actually, is the fact that they traded away what people thought was their second best player in Kristaps Porzingis at the, uh, throughout the season. And Kristaps being traded away brought back Spencer Dimwitty, who then gave the Mavs an additional guard, which helped the offense because now they have three guards who can all facilitate. It's not just Luka by himself. You have Brunson who can facilitate. You have Dimwitty who can facilitate. And Luka doesn't have to do everything himself. Open it up a little bit more. The Mavs were incredible this year. And Utah seems to be like this um, this team that had expectations that if they fail here in the first round, it seems as if these pieces could be uh, torn apart in the offseason. Well, I'd like to know what their plan is. And and as far as the series is concerned, I like the Mavericks to win this in six games. Um, I just think that everything's predicated on momentum. This is not like um, you know the NCAA tournament where if you don't win your turn your conference game and you f- you fall short, that 
that momentum carries into the NCAA tournament. I think you can hit the reset button with younger players, but because Dallas has won 20 of their last 27 games and the Jazz have dropped seven of their last, last 11, uh, the Jazz, I, the last game I saw from the Jazz, Chris, was, uh, was against Golden State. And the Jazz had a big lead in that game, and they gave it up to Golden State. And I said, wait a minute. This is not the locked-in team of Quinn Snyder that I remember. Wait a minute. You know? Is Quinn Snyder uh, keeping his eyes on a possible Laker job? Is that is that what's there? I wouldn't leave. Would you? No. For that no, no, mess? No, 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 no. I would, no, st- no, I would no. stay put. No, I, I just think that, that Mitchell and Gobert are a terrific one-two punch. It's just that... I just think that the momentum that they had in the regular season will carry over into the playoffs. It's going to be a tough series. I like Dallas and, and Luka. Luka Doncic is the guy, as you mentioned, he has help. But you know that he's going to put on a show, right? He's going to be. He's going to definitely put on a show. The number I saw, the big number, Luka averaged 9.4 minutes per possession, the second highest average for any player in nine seasons of player tracking. He, he spends a lot of time on the floor, but yep. he makes things happen. And that's why I like Dallas. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. Uh, Golden State is taking on the Nuggets. Uh, the Warriors won 53 games. The Nuggets with 48. You know, uh, Nikola Jokic was incredible. I think he's going to end up winning the MVP. You know, most voters for MVP love stats. They love the the narrative of, look at these amazing eye-popping stats for a team that's in sixth place in the conference. Uh, and then also the, the other piece of uh, thought when it comes to this matchup is Stephen Curry is healthy, Jonathan, ready to go for game one. I feel as if what we saw with Clay Thompson in the last three or four games, he had three straight games where he averaged over 30 points. Uh, that's something Clay Thompson's never done in his career before doing it in like the last three games of the season. Uh, which is very surprising, but I guess it makes sense. If Curry's always healthy, if he's healthy, he never had the consistency of getting up the shots and and going on the runs like he has as of late. If if Clay Thompson's healthy, I think Golden State's a better team by far, and they win this in either five or six. This is going to be tough, though. Are you saying that Jokic is going to be out there by himself getting it done? Because here's, here's my concern. Yes, we have seen the Splash Brothers, Curry and Thompson, along with Draymond, playing together for many years. But because of the injuries they've had, you mentioned Steph Curry's injury and looking at Draymond Green. uh, I mean, can they be able to be a cohesive unit right away here and play in this series and play well in this series? That's, That's the question I would have. Well, they they have the championship background, right? And and yeah. so, you know, if Draymond can stay out of foul trouble, frustrate Jokic, he's not going to be able to stop him. No one can stop Jokic. But if that's all that the Nuggets have, then then I feel as if Denver's not going to have enough firepower to keep pace. And you know, the wild card is like if the Warriors get anything from Andrew Wiggins, like that that's icing on the cake, right? Mm-hmm. Like in, oh, no, no question. So I, I think Golden State's a better team there. The the final matchup in the Western Conference, Memphis, the two seed, they will face off against the world champion Minnesota Timberwolves. I, I don't know if you saw this <laughs> last night, Jonathan. The the Timberwolves win the the NBA title last night in the play-in round as they celebrate with confetti and people running around the court and throwing jerseys into the stands. Uh, I thought it was hilarious that the TNT crew after the game is making fun of the Timberwolves 
But then when Ernie turns the focus to the next round and the Timberwolves taking on the Grizzlies, I think three of four on the panel all said that the the Grizzlies better watch out because the Timberwolves are coming for them. Uh, <laughs> if you want to talk about something about like oh. outing the fact that you haven't paid attention to the league this year, like that comment is it, right? Like, yeah, yes. it was fun for the, the Timberwolves to get into the play-in. They're the seventh seed. But Memphis has been one of the best teams all season long. Their defense is incredible. Three-point shooting, Ja, the whole Jackson, the whole deal. The Memphis Grizzlies are legit, and I would not think that the Timberwolves are going to be able to take them to like six games. No, this will this will be done in in five. If it's six, it would surprise me. Minnesota is one of the better team, better stories though in the NBA. We can agree on that, right? Yeah. Because yeah. it's one of these teams like Memphis that's like, you know what, we're just gonna ball out. And I think it all stems from Pat Beverly because of how wild he is. Don't make fun of the Timberwolves, by the way. Callers will come after you. Just oh, keep really? in mind, okay. people people don't like that when you go after them. When you laugh at <laughs> those guys, when you get Pat Beverly standing on the scores table, pretty much saying <laughs> anything. Is possible. Is so, so you can't, World you can't champion. do that. World yeah. champion Timberwolves. All people, no, no, no. On Cap and J Head listeners, they don't like that when oh. you laugh. When you laugh at the Timberwolves, because hey, wow. man, let them celebrate. And I'm just my whole point in that is, dude, like you can be happy that you won the playoff game, your play-in game. It's great, right? It's great for Minnesota. It's great that they're finally able to get to another level. But the idea that you're celebrating, yeah, you know, there's Carl Anthony Towns kissing his girlfriend like they just got married <laughs> right there on the floor, confetti coming down. I mean, running all over the floor, just Anthony Edwards. I'm like, dude, like, I mean, college teams don't do that. St. Peter's didn't do that, Okay. I mean, say, even St. Peter's didn't do that, and like, and so for Minnesota, it's just so ridiculous. I'm happy for them, but not like that. You're still a professional, for God's sakes. Be happy, but don't be pretend like it's the it's the end of the world. Like you won the championship. <laughs> There's no need for us to do a playoff preview. Apparently, Minnesota won the championship, right. but nonetheless, the, the Grizzlies though is another great story. Whoop that trick has been great. John Morant will be back, and so the key number Grizzlies have averaged. Chris, 58 points in the paint. That's yeah. 4.3 more than any other team. They like, attack the do, rim. Do they have Embiid? Yeah. Do they have Giannis? No, but they but they have a plan. I just I really love watching that team. It's been one of my favorite teams to watch on the package. The two guys uh, that, that I've been so impressed watching from uh, Memphis, the Memphis standpoint, would be Kyle Anderson. I know that he he was good with the Spurs, but whenever I he gets the Bulls so bad, yeah, whenever he gets minutes, he's always a positive player out there. And then also Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain is a lights out three point shooter, uh, and I think those guys create the difference that that makes this Grizzlies team stand out when you compare them to other like upstart teams that have a star. Because you know, like. You can find teams that have the John Morant, but can you find the teams that then bring the like muscle behind him and the defensive prowess for a young group of guys? Uh, I, I would also say Jaron Jackson. Yeah. I think he has a good chance to, to rate pretty highly when it comes to Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, I, absolutely. I, I just think that they've had a terrific season. And just, you know, John Morant, he'll be healthy now. And, and so 
I look forward to him taking another step in his journey as well. So, as I mentioned, Memphis is just that fun team up and down the floor. They can score a ton of points, but just they're not so reliant on threes that that's how they get their points, though. I just like that they can get in the lane and just get buckets, man. I, I, I like that. So, and by the way, again, hats off to Minnesota for winning the championship, you know, the other <laughs> night. Uh, you know, it's great for, you know, Russell uh, and those guys because they really were able to step it up and, you know, all the champagne and all the women uh, and all of the, everything else that went with that celebration, which is glue? great. And by, and by the way, glue on the floor? Oh, yeah. Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah. And that little glue on the floor there. And by the way, Carl Anthony Towns, you can suck it. Yep. A ni- nice job there. 0 for 7 in the first half. You can and, suck and, it. Well, he can – I mean, terrible. Terrible performance I did not cat. see that coming. Well, you, you can, can you saw the game. Did you, you do the, the game? Did you do the, uh, the, the cross there? The, the the crotch chop? Yeah. Yes, I did. You can suck it. <laughs> you can suck it because that That's was awful. Great. You saw that. Oh, and he was terrible. Horrible coaching by Chris Finn. He was horrible. He, he was terrible, but he was also like, that's bad basketball IQ. Yeah. That's uh, not understanding the moment or the situation. And then it's, you know, pouting like a child when you pick up the fouls. You know, they, they kept the camera on him. He's, he's pacing behind the bench, you know, trying to find the glue girl. And it's like, dude. <laughs> What are you going and challenging for these shots when when the you like you have five fouls you have four fouls what are you doing he just I don't know but in the compliment sandwich he's one of the best uh, big guys that can knock down the three and that's what's made him effective I just didn't he like is. him the, the but the contested two but the team uh, didn't need him to win. You see what I'm saying? No, I get it. But but in the game though, the reason why one of the reasons why he's over seven that first half and picked up those quick fouls is because he was trying to shoot it from the foul line extended. Yeah. Right? He was trying to like contested twos. Right. Like, dude, roll to the basket or pass it, but don't take a take contested twos. We know he can shoot the ball well from three. There's no doubt about that. But just the way his shot selection just wasn't good. But I I believe that he'll have a better game here in the playoffs. He'll have better games in the playoffs. But that one Against uh, a, a Clipper team that couldn't care less, one, two, three, Cancun. Uh, that's what they were doing in the in the uh, in the huddle. They they just turned their back on Ty Lue. Brutal Ooh. Clipper team. Ooh. Brutal. I mean, it just Pat Beverly did that to uh, did that to Steve Ballmer on purpose. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know. So there. Well, you go. we uh, congratulate the Timberwolves for winning the NBA Finals. Uh, no fast break show this Saturday, Jonathan. We'll have White Sox baseball on ESPN One Thousand. But we'll have another fast break podcast right here on the ESPN Chicago app now, next week. Now, wait just a second. There's what? a question here from Wayne Pierce. He says, got a question. He asks you, if right. Milwaukee goes back to back, does Giannis pass Durant on the all time list? From Wayne Pierce. It's getting close. Mm-hmm. It's getting close. I'm I'm not going to say he's just automatically going to pass him right now, but you know the 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 way Giannis's career is going, where he's just winning everything and he's by far the best player. Like like I get it, people get bored with the MVP conversations. I would vote Giannis either one or two, uh, Embiid and Giannis. Those are my two guys this year. Who's um, the Who's the best player likely to become a breakout star during the playoffs? Uh, can I give you Desmond Bain? Oh, I like that name. Yes. I'll, I'll say Desmond Bain. I, I think that uh, there's strong potential there for the Grizz to get all the way to the conference finals. And if that's the case, it's going to be more than just Ja, right? That's right. 
I'll give his see, Desmond Bain. See, there's a little bit. There's a little mailbag. I know we're against the clock, right. but there was a mailbag there. People were asking questions. No, always. We appreciate it. Uh, we're not only up against the clock, we're up against uh, White Sox baseball looking to use the studio to, <laughs> to set up for, for Connor, Len, and DJ. So Let me in. <laughs> I need to get in the booth. All right, Len, hang on a second. Uh, you can listen uh, to Jonathan weekday mornings right here on ESPN 1000. Cap and Jay Hood from Hello. 7 to 10 a.m. So check Jonathan out uh, mornings on ESPN 1000. You can hear me, Chris Black. Black and Abdallah weeknights from DJ. 6 to 8, right here on ESPN 1000. It is gone! <laughs> Out of here! All right, we better let him in. Right. Jonathan, enjoy the first round. Yeah, no problem, man. It's going to be great. And hit us up at Chris Black, at Tweet J. Hood. want to get your thoughts on the Bulls in the NBA as well. All right, Len. Forget- All right, we got to go. Hello? Eric? Yellow.